This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dermisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, if you have legal matters that involve firearms that you need to call Attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. You can call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. I forgot I was supposed to say the answer. Missing uh, Action Jackson today. Yeah, where is the little rascal? I, I got, well, he's, he had some stuff to do, but uh, if you're listening, he's Jackson, eight years old. what has he got to do? He's got a full plate, you know? He's got some uh, briefs to file. And, ah, uh, and he's got some things. Know, okay, big I report gotcha. due. You know you know how it is. Beginning right. of the year. Absolutely. He's so, saying, by the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year, Joe. Well, thank you. We have Angel Cortez in the studio. How you doing, man? Good. Uh, good. Thank you for having me on here. Now that you called you me bet. out. <laughs> we're going uh, to interview Angel in depth later in the show, but mm-hmm. uh, thanks for being on the show, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, me too. So we are, uh, let's do, there's actually, uh, I want to make sure that Sean Fredrickson's on the line. Sean, are you out there? Yes, sir. How you doing, man? I'm well. How you guys doing? Good. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. Um, We are, uh, we're proud that we're going to have a booth at your, uh, at your, well, at at, at an event that you're a a big part of this weekend called the Freedom Revival Rally, right? Yes, sir. And honestly, I don't know much about it. I don't know much about it. I saw some of the guest speakers. I know my favorite politician, Sheriff Chad Bianco from Riverside, is going to be there. He's going to be a speaker. Um, It looks like it's going to be a big event. So uh, we wanted to have you on for a few minutes and just talk about it. What's What's the purpose of the event? Well, we're essentially aiming to start 2022 on the right foot, where 2020, 2021 have been filled with propaganda and fear therefore we're going to start 2022 with a massive event in san diego to set the precedent that we're no longer playing the game of fear we're going to be courageous we're going to be open about it and we're going to gather and we're going to be happy and not be controlled by this uh narrative any longer so okay so let's talk fear of and narrative let's get specific what are yeah, we talking i love it so the fear of our neighbors man division has been a, a thing that has been been used i think as a tactic to control uh, control the population. And so we're going to get people together to talk. We're providing resources like your booth where people can come and ask you questions. What, are, what is Gun Owners Radio? What are you guys doing? What can I do to, to help be a part of that? And that's really an objective of getting together at, at the height of fear with uh, the propaganda coming from uh, the, the COVID narrative is what I really was talking about. with The, the COVID the, narrative. And, and this is not the first time you've used the word propaganda. I know you've been in front of the county board and our everybody's favorite, <laughs> uh, Nathan Fletcher. Um, and uh, uh, you have described uh, uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of things coming out of uh, the, the county of San Diego as, as propaganda. Give us give us some specifics. 
Yeah, so what they're doing is uh, they're, they're claiming that there are no other solutions to, uh, to the COVID virus but going to the hospital and getting uh, their protocol. They're, they're going to hide any other remedies, natural remedies, have you go work out, have you um, uh, outside exercising, that kind of thing, as well as this, this idea that you need to take your liberty away, that you're not capable of governing yourself uh, that you have to, to have, believe the, the church of science rather than uh, your, more, your own moral compass. And, and we being Christians, we recognize that the nation was founded on religious liberty as well as liberty like sovereignty. Therefore, we're capable of governing ourselves and the government's getting too, there's, they're getting too invested in controlling us. Like, it's not about big government's not the problem. The limitless government is, is the problem. Well, you know, Sean, and I like I like the way you phrase that too—the Church of Science. But uh, and even that wouldn't wouldn't be too unreasonable if we were actually following the Church of Science. But it seems like it's yeah. more it's more political science than uh, other go. science. So yeah, I agree completely. You can't question it anymore. That's a problem. That's where it turns into propaganda. Science that is not questionable is propaganda. And that's where you know it's not science anymore. You're right. There you go. Yep. So you're gonna we're gonna have, you're gonna have a ton of speakers, right? And uh, it's going on. T- talk to, talk about the specifics. Where do people go? When do they show up? How much does it cost? Yeah, yeah great question. So it'll be at Waterfront Park mm-hmm. in San Diego, and the address is 1600 Pacific Highway. It's right there by the Star of India. It's a big green uh, lawn that we're gonna be on. We're calling for thousands to come show up. It's totally free. This is 100 uh, percent volunteer created, uh, self funded. We're asking for donations at freedomrevival.org. You can give for donations if you'd like to be a part of it, if you believe in what we're doing, and this idea of individual liberty, freedom in Christ, freedom in free people. And the objective is just to encourage people to stop being controlled by fear. Like, safety first is a terrible way to live life. That's not, that's not the way that America was established. It's not safety first. Safety may be third, fourth, or fifth, but really it's liberty in uh, was is the key objective here that we're pushing towards. And so we're bringing pastors from around Southern California, so L.A. County, Ventura, uh, Santa Barbara, Riverside, Orange, and at San Diego together to one event so you can show. And these are the, the pastors that have really stood up against uh, the government. So Cheon, Pastor Cheon in, in Pasadena, he sued the California government, went to the Supreme Court, and back in February they won the Supreme Court ruling in favor of religious liberty. So we're bringing him in as he's been an exemplary, exemplary individual to show what it looks like to be courageous. So should, is it, if you're, if you're not particularly religious, is this, is this a place you, 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 you know, should you still come down or, or? Oh, absolutely. So just like the founding fathers, you know, there's no mandate to, to believe one religion. We're a Judeo Christian nation, which means that you can believe whatever, you want to believe, but it's the recognition that we all have sovereignty if we're willing to bear that responsibility. And you know, there are, there are some founders that said if you if you uh, if you can't carry liberty, then you'll 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 need your own, need a master. And I think that's what we're at. We're recognizing that we want to we want to preserve our own liberty. And so yeah, if you if you're not religious, come on down. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to encourage you and empower you. All right, so it's the uh, it's the county administration building. It's Waterfront Park. It's right across from the Star of India. It's free. Everybody c- come down this Saturday at noon. The one coming up. Yep, this coming up yep. Saturday at noon. January 8th. January yep. 8th. And uh, really, this is a uh, an opportunity to see a lot of cool vendors. If you're not a member of San Diego County Gun Owners or Orange, Orange County Gun Owners is going to be there as well. If you're not, so if you're not a member of San Diego County Gun Owners or Orange County Gun Owners, 
uh, come on down. Uh, you can sign up, or if you just want to see all the other cool vendors and listen to some great speakers, come on down. And uh, yeah. great, awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Totally, such a pleasure. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, do you have a website? Yeah, freedomrevival.org. All right, Freedom Revival. I like it. Yes, dot org. Let's go. You got it. Go get him, Tiger. Appreciate you guys. Ah, our pleasure. All right. What do you think, man? You I gonna, think that's you awesome. gonna go, Dave? Um, Michelle will be in Palm Springs, and I will be schlepping dogs. <laughs> you be dog schlepping? Yes. That actually uh, sounded great. I was, I was just thinking, uh, yeah, I could go to that, but I'll, I'll be teaching Saturday. But maybe I could get uh, Nina and some of her friends to go down there. What, what was the hours again? Uh, noon to like four or five. Probably. How late do you? How late do you train? He's there all day. Well, I'll be teaching all day till five thirty or so. Oh, big CCW class. Big CCW class. Yeah. So we're gonna have a we're gonna have a booth. They invited us. They reached out specifically to ask us to be there. Um, so we're happy to be there. Orange County is going to be there. Steve Mills from uh, he's the executive director for Orange County Gun Owners is going to be there. Free parking? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's free park. Probably there's not. No downtown. Downtown. Yeah. There's no probably, stinking parking. There's no. Yeah. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to figure that out. I would Uber. Just park wherever you want. They're talking about thousands of people. That's what I said. So park wherever you want. I, it depends on where you're coming from, but I would park. I know where you're parking. Where? Anywhere you want. That's right. Well, you, you, can, you, you, you do that when a, you got a Jeep. You got a Jeep, but big tires. Yeah, wherever. I, I'm going to find a Miata and park on top. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> hey, don't touch that dial, folks. There's a whole lot more on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hi, right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Oh, happy new year. What does 2022 have in store for our gun owners packs? In San Diego, Orange County, Inland Empire, and Los Angeles. So Michael Schwartz will be next to share the plan. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone. And there is no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, excuse me, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Oh, I'm going to choke you down there. Hey, easy. Bad guys don't take days off and neither does our coverage. Listeners get a free t-shirt. When you use promo code Gun Owners Radio, sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. That's how great that deal is. <coughs> By the way, before you on. get going, I was watching the news. Yeah. When this guy comes on and he was trying to defend the fact that we should be like Great Britain. Because <laughs> Great Britain has no guns and they've only had 31 deaths. Oh, well, that, that must be. But his reasoning be is because we have too many guns and we need to take all the guns away from everybody in the united states where was this where were you watching this it was on fox fox news yeah they were interviews and interview you know because they try to give a guy from the left and a guy right. from the right and i mean i literally just stopped in my tracks i could not believe he was that ignorant i don't think people really truly realize how bad it is outside of the united states i don't either but he said it was good 
it's good that that, that Britain has no that weapons. They, that they take, they have no way to defend yourself. None. Oh, I know they've had a twenty-seven percent increase in gun crimes, and they've seized uh, the number of guns they've seized has quadrupled in that period of time. No, 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 no. You're watching the wrong ago. station. I must be, yeah, because <laughs> that's not what he's. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, there really, truly is. It, it's amazing. Even when you, when we, when I talk to people who are. Uh, who come to this country and maybe they trained in a in a foreign military or whatever? Yeah, there's no. It's amazing how restrictive things are. It's amazing how little ability you have to defend yourself when you're outside of the 50 states. Right. It's amazing how right. you truly don't get treated like you have rights. You no. get you know it's a privilege, and they can take that privilege away from you like you're a child. I mean, it, it was like you're a child. It was mind boggling. I mean, I couldn't believe it that the guy had to. The nerve to even sit there and say what he said with it with a clear conscience. Yeah. Well, and again, too, those the laws don't impact the criminals. That they were the article no. I was talking about. They were uh, they were interviewing a gun runner, and he said it's very easy to get guns in and out of England, and they sell for about four times what they sell for all around Europe. So you know, it's not you're not impacting criminals. But this guy doesn't know that. No, he all knows, he knows is he knows. He's just not, well, yeah. Well, one not of the truthful. <laughs> one of the Magnum episodes we did was with the head of of basically their NRA in Australia. The NRA, the Australia's NRA, it wasn't NRA, but it was their equivalent, their equivalent organization yeah. in Australia. And uh, you know, it was amazing. You you can actually check it out on our YouTube channel. Um, but uh, you know, the spike in crime. That happened after they took all the guns is is mind-boggling. Right. So the, the you know there was there was if memory serves there were fewer gun crimes or crimes with a gun, mm-hmm. but there were more crimes with a bat. There were more right. crimes with a knife. knife. There were more crimes with fists. You know because they knew hey fewer people are, are, are have the ability to defend themselves. It's crazy. It is crazy. So that is exactly why we designed and run and uh, uh, created San Diego County Gun Owners. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our vision. We just had uh, meetings, series of meetings. We have a, a board meeting coming up um, and uh, uh, really, truly did a lot. Wendy, the CEO of San Diego County Gun Owners, myself, the, uh, Steve Mills up in Orange County, Carla in Inland Empire, um, uh, all these people sat, sat around and and put together, all right, well, what are we going to do? This this is our sixth year in San Diego. Um, we're going into our sixth year. We've, we've uh, uh, come a long way. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to put it. Cause it's definitely a pivotal year, um, meaning you know, I, I was saying that it was a, a, a crucial year. Now, I don't think it's a crucial year because that's, really right, that's not really the right word because San Diego County Gun Owners is going to be around forever. Um, say crucial, it sounds like, hey, if we don't, you know, if we don't do something, we're not going to exist anymore. No, but it's definitely a pivotal year for the organizations in general. And what I mean by that is that we have a big election that we can focus on. You know, it's not a presidential election. So everybody focuses on the president when, when it's a presidential election and that we don't, we don't endorse on the federal level. We endorse on the local level. So it is going to be an enormous year for elections in Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, and San Diego, and we have the ability to really truly focus on on those elections. And we really proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, again, but this was a, a huge proof, that our, our system works, what we're trying to do and what we're attempting to accomplish and the organization that we're putting together and the activities that we're promoting works and that was really, really, really proven with Laura Lothian 
in mm-hmm. La Mesa. Mm-hmm. Um, we did everything that we we said we were designed to do. We had the resources, we had the people, we had the the money to get her elected, and she won by twenty percentage points in La Mesa, Crazy. even though the registration was against her. Um, you know, she was a first time uh, candidate. Well, I, I guess she'd run one other time, but she wasn't an incumbent. This was an open seat, um, and we got her in uh, by a huge margin, a huge margin, which had uh, a ripple effect in in a bunch of other areas, not just the Second Amendment, frankly. A lot of people who, um, you know, maybe the Second Amendment isn't their first priority were real happy that she got elected because there were a lot of things that she blocked, a lot of things, a lot of power that was that was taken by, by La Mesa, and, you know, La Mesa City Council got turned around. So... We're really, really, really going to focus on these local elections. Let's talk about San Diego specifically. So San Diego, we have a lot going around. We have a fully actualized, fully built-out organization where we have our shooting socials, where we teach people how to shoot, and we have our Not Me, where we uh, it's a, a, a program for women, run by women, to make sure that any woman who wants can get a gun, can get training, can get a CCW. Um, we have our tabletops, you know, our, our gun shop tabletops. Um, we have Gun Owners Radio. Everything's going on in San Diego. We have a bunch of stuff going on in San Diego. All of these things are designed. The reason we do these things, the reason we do the tabletop shooting socials, the reason we we get more members, which, by the way, we're over 3,000 members now. Very proud of that. I remember when you were trying to break 1,000. <laughs> I remember. I remember, yeah, I remember, yeah. Remember that? You go, oh, we're almost at 1,000. We're almost at 1,000. Oh, my gosh. I better sit down and take a break. <laughs> so all of this is designed to get – uh, resources and a network put in place so that when there is an election, we can we can get the word out. We we can basically activate people. People can you know do what they need to do, which either mean which isn't just voting. I mean that's the very bare minimum. You know, mm-hmm. hey, vote for these people. These are the folks that'll protect your Second Amendment rights. But also, we need people to get other people to vote. And there's a lot of ways people can do that. They can simply ask their friends and family. Or they can do something a little more complicated, like the uh, um, like the, uh, uh, the the walks, the neighborhood walks that we do, all that other good stuff. Um, which I say more complicated. We do the complicated part. Uh, our members just have to show up and 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 you know uh, roll up their sleeves and you know uh, drop some information off or whatever at, at, at different places. So everything that we do, all the training, all the the you know new shooter training, the women's training, all these things that we do. It's all in an attempt to gather resources. What I mean by resources, there are only two things. You guys have heard me say this a million times. There are only two things that, uh, only two tools in the toolbox when it comes to uh, politics, and that's people and money. So the more people and the more money we raise, the more successful we're going to be in politics. It's that simple. It's that simple a formula. And the other thing is to build a network. We want to be able to disseminate the information. Um, it, it you know as quickly and efficiently as possible to as many people as possible. In politics, the only thing you can never have enough of is time. Never have enough time. You can you, you don't have enough money, you can go get more money. You don't have enough people, you can go get more people. You don't have a message, you can come up with a message. But time, you can't get time back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an election that's happen happens in June and one in November. Uh, you start uh, wasting or running out of time, you can't get it back. So the quicker and more efficiently we can get our message out, the better. Now, the board, our board, which we have like 30 people. Joe's a, a proud member of our board. Proud member. <laughs> we have uh, – <laughs> um, they're going to – we're continuing to vet candidates out. 
um, and they're going to vote on a voter guide. It'll be out oh, a couple months before June, and then there will be another one that'll be out a couple months before November, and we're going to spend real money uh, promoting this, this voter guide. Um, some of the big election stuff that's happening is, uh, for example, so, so we're going to have to get Laura Lothian elected again in La Mesa because she was a special election. But the real big one is the sheriff, and that's a huge race, which Joe, Joe and I pay attention to. The Joe especially looks after the CCW numbers all the time, and the sheriff really, really, really has huge discretion over how these CCWs are issued, who gets one, how the process works, how efficient it is. That's going to be a huge election, and the current sheriff, who we've gotten to issue CCWs, um, you know, we used all, all our, our, our resources to get him to open up CCWs so that pretty much anybody that can pass a background check, takes the class, submits the application, and pays the fee, you're getting a CCW in San Diego. We've gotten him to uh, open up the process. Um, he's, he's leaving. He's not running again. So there are a few candidates. The good news is all the candidates are making noise like they are pro-Second Amendment. We have some very real uh, proof that they are uh, pro-CCW. Um, so that's the good news. But we still have to play this thing right. We still have to make sure that we get the right person in and that we get the resources to, to do that. So it's crucial in San Diego that people get involved and uh, you know get the word out. We could absolutely take over. You know, Oceanside City Council is good. It could, it could easily turn. Um, San Marcos, we we San Marcos should absolutely be a pro Second Amendment city council, and it's not. It's not. Um, there is no reason we can't take that back over. Um, Escondido is going to have a huge race. They have uh, they're right on the. They have a couple of. They have at least one city council member that's leaving, who has been a fantastic uh, uh, ally of ours, and uh, so we have to fill his seat. Uh, their mayor is is fairly weak on Second Amendment issues, and they have a really really strong candidate running for uh, strong Second Amendment guy running for uh, for for city council in Escondido. Um, the one city that is going to is basically going to be a disaster is the city of San Diego. It's the 17 other city councils where we really truly have a real chance of uh, getting some Second Amendment people in here. So that's right. San Diego. So we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, Inland Empire, we're going to talk about Orange. We're going to talk about uh, statewide in the next segment. But it's going to be a huge year. All right. Don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Hey, does selling your home feel overwhelming? Well, it really doesn't have to be that way. With Scott Vinson from Coldwall Banker Royal Realty, Scott Vinson is the perfect guide to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the very start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vinson help you sell your home and find you a new home anywhere else in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell him you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. Call Scott at 619-948-2459 or you can go online to scottvinson.com. 
So we're right. talking about what's going on in San Diego, San Diego County gun owners. Of course, we have our, our Second Amendment celebration dinner coming up on June 18th. June 18th. So mark your calendars and join us on June 18th. We'll really start to, to promote that uh, probably starting in February. Um, but that's not the only thing that's going on in, in California as San Diego County gun owners. Uh, Inland Empire, of course, Riverside and San Bernardino combined to become Inland Empire gun owners. And uh, Carla is doing a fantastic job out there running the organization. And we're looking to – we think we've grown Inland Empire enough. When I say we, it's mostly Carla. She's doing a fantastic job. And Mike Cook out there and, and uh, uh, all, the, all the fantastic board members and members who work hard to grow Inland Empire. Uh, it looks like we're going to be able to uh, pretty quickly hire Carla on as a full-time executive director so she can really, really – uh, you know, uh, blow that thing up out in, out in the Inland Empire. And they, they have a couple of big elections. They have uh, uh, both both Inland Empire, excuse me, both Riverside and San Bernardino are, are electing sheriffs. Chad Bianco, the, the Riverside County uh, sheriff, that guy's fantastic. Uh, we need to make sure that he gets reelected, which I think will be an, a pretty, you know, you still have to do the work. But I think he'll he'll do, uh, I think he'll do just fine getting reelected. He's very popular. He's done a really great job. And then uh, McMahon and San Bernardino stepped down, and uh, his undersheriff is going to be running. So uh, we think he's probably going to be uh, the horse to pick in that race. Uh, but Inland Empire has enormous, enormous potential. Their, their Not Me program, their gun shop tabletop program, their shooting socials, all taking off, all taking off and doing a really, really great job. And, you know, that's a, that's a crucial part. You add up um, – it, you know, all the Inland Empire, it's bigger than Orange County. It's bigger than San Diego. It's a lot of people there. And it's a lot more purple than people think. You know, not that we're, par- we're, not that we're partisan, but um, there's definitely, I think people have make the assumption, oh, San Bernardino, oh, Riverside, they're definitely pro-gun. Well, you know, not so much anymore. They're kind of becoming a, uh, or have become a uh, suburb of L.A., believe it or not. Um, so, uh, not exactly. It's, it's not a walk in the park. There are a lot of city council members. There are a lot of, of elected officials in both those counties that don't really care about your second amendment rights and think that you, you know, they should probably be more restricted. Um, Orange County, uh, Don Barnes is the sheriff. I can't imagine him not getting reelected. He's done a fantastic job. He did a great job during the, uh, the mostly peaceful protests (laughs) last year. And uh, the fires that happened did a great job, and he's running a model CCW program. And when I say model, I mean that the rest of the of the state really has uh, kind of has looked to Orange County to, to copy their model. Um, Steve Mills is doing a great job up there running Orange County Gun Owners. We're really going to put a lot of effort into growing their organization. They're going to have their second gun prom uh, coming up probably – Somewhere in March, maybe April, we'll, we'll let you guys know. But they're going to have a nice uh, 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 Second Amendment celebration dinner in Orange County, uh, which should be great. And they're, they're looking to grow that. You know, we just had 1,000 people in San Diego. So in Orange County, they're looking to grow that to be just as big. Um, and that's important, too. Orange County is, you know, right next door to L.A. And L.A., we actually, if you go to LACountyGunOwners.com, there's already a website up for it. For LA County gun owners, there isn't officially a pack yet, so it's not it's not a it's not a full organization yet. But what you'll find if you live in the LA area or you know somebody that does, 
is there are instructions. If you give us your email address, we'll give you instructions on how to apply for a CCW. So their sheriff is running for re-election. He definitely could use some help because he's he's starting to issue for the first time, I think, ever. I'm not sure L.A. has ever issued CCWs. To ordinary people, anyway. To what? Say that again? To ordinary people. Yeah, not to ordinary people. Um, and there are a lot of ordinary people in L.A. that uh, would like to be able to defend themselves. So check that out. If you know anybody in the L.A. area, you know, um, the other organization we're looking to build is Bay Area Gun Owners, which is really six or seven counties in one organization. And that is going to be uh, oh, that's going to be huge, uh, huge, meaning uh, a, it's a big project, you know, six, seven counties all wrapped up into one organization. Uh, and those six or seven counties are the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, man, our work's cut out for us. And I, and I think that's a, just a really a noble uh, mission there to take on up there because there's, there's so many. I think there, there's got to be a lot of normal people that are trapped up in that area. And, uh, you know, anybody reaching out to, you know, in any area, we happen to be doing it for the Second Amendment. But, I mean, there, there's lots of um, lots of constitutional rights, I guess, that Americans take for granted that are kind of abused up there. So I think it's uh, it'd be good news for them to see somebody uh, trying to help them out. Yeah, truly, there really was. We got a good response. Uh, you know, people are are worried. Um, you know, gee, I don't think it'll ever work. Or gee, I'm not brave enough to come out of the Second Amendment closet and you know, or the Second Amendment shadow. Um, but that's how it was in San Diego. People don't remember that. Um, you know, this was just six years ago that we started our organization, and. You know, we we weren't we weren't some gun heavy county. I mean, no one was paying attention to your Second Amendment rights. Nobody. Um, and there was uh, a lot of people that said the exact same thing in San Diego that hey, all oh, this will never work. No one will ever care about guns. And we proved them wrong. We proved them wrong. We're we're a political force, and you know you have to uh, you have to pay attention to us. And uh, we're getting strong enough to where uh, basically you're going to have to go through us in order to get elected on any border council in, in San Diego. So um, I think we can do it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's going to be a, a monumental task in the Bay area. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big deal in LA, but I, I know we can do it. I know our plan works. And one of the big things that's happening this year that everybody's going to see, and this is going to benefit the entire state and possibly uh, uh, other states is our not me program. Our women's program has become so successful Basically, it's such a good idea, it's so well run, that we're spinning it off to a 501c3. So it's going to be its own organization. And a 501c3 is an actual charity, you know, so that usually donations are tax deductible. And the whole purpose of a 501c3, of course, this is they can't really do much in the political realm, but what they can do is education, um, especially education. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're benefiting the community by making sure the, the whole goal of not me is to stop uh, uh, domestic violence and sexual assault by making sure that any woman who wants can come to us and work with a trained volunteer who's also a woman to purchase a firearm, get the training they need on that firearm, and then get a CCW so they can carry that firearm anywhere in order to defend themselves, in order to protect themselves. And over 500 women in two years have gone through that program, and it's been wildly successful. And if any of those steps are too expensive, they don't have the money to buy a firearm, or they can't afford training, if any of those steps are too expensive, 
we look for discounts or grants. And uh, so that we want to make sure that a woman's self-defense is not cost prohibitive. So that's, so that's why we've spun this off into its own organization so that we can uh, raise resources just for that cause. And this was really, I mean, we're a political organization. You know, we have more in common with, uh, you know, a political party than we do the NRA, for example, or the CRPA. We're a, we're a, a political organization. Um, and this idea just was one of the, was a project of this organization, but it's turned into such a powerful and successful idea that we're spinning it off into its own organization, which is enormous. And I know Wendy who runs it, it's her, it's her baby, um, it's her idea and uh, she designed it and, and, and is running it. Uh, Wendy gets inquiries from all over the country. People want to know, you know, how do we, how do we do that here? You know, wherever here is, I think she's gotten inquiries from Florida and, bunch of other different states. Well, it meets such a great need out there too, because uh, we've had water when these had over 500 now yeah. women go through the program. Yep. And, um, you know, that's such a daunting thing. Cause you know, when we'll, we'll talk to women at the shooting socials and things like that. And if you're trying, okay, you've made the decision, you want to learn a little bit more about firearms. Maybe you want to get a gun or you want to get a concealed carry. Where do you start? Who do you talk to? Where do you, you know, I mean, there's so it's so almost overwhelming out there and it's great to have an organization of women right there that's ready to step up and help it, it you know it's crazy too so we have a shooting social um once a month the second saturday of the month it's cheap 60 bucks that covers everything gun ammo target eyes and ears and you get a, a, an instructor you get a mentor to, to help you and help you you know learn how to shoot um we do that every month we do a women's only shooting social for not me uh, every other month. And I can't even tell anymore at the regular shooting socials. I can't tell whether it's a women's shooting social or not because like 80, 90, a hundred percent of the shooting socials are women there. And, and I, you know, I, I like to ask, Hey, how'd you find us? And they find us through media. They find us through word of mouth, but there are so many women and it's so it's, it's become, it kind of cliche to say that, oh, well, the largest demographic, you know, the, the fastest growing demographic in the gun world are, are women. Man, we're seeing it. This is where the rubber meets the road. Um, so any support we can give that effort, you know, I, I think it's really, really great. And it's thanks to um, all our members that we're able to support that program and now get it launched into its own uh, entity, its own actual program. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, this is probably the thing I'm most proud of in, in San Diego County gun owners. This, that what you know, not me. What, what's what it has become, and what is it is becoming is the thing I'm definitely most proud of. Um, it's uh, it speaks to everybody, and uh, it's extremely effective. So thank thank you, everybody. You know, at the dinner we did a paddle race. You know what a paddle race is? You know, everybody's got like their own number at a at a dinner, and like you know, I'm number five twenty eight, and if I raise my paddle, that means I'm, you know, pledging a certain amount of money. You, you go to too many dinners, I think. I go to a lot of dinners, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, anyway, we did a paddle race. All it is is, hey, who wants to donate to not me? And you raise your your hand, your paddle, and give money. You're not, you know, you're, it's not a raffle. You know, it's nothing like that. $15,000 raised. Wow. $15,000. By the way, did you post last week's show that I did for not me on I think Rich did. Yes, it's posted. So that's what's coming up. What we need from you is your membership. We need you to join. 
and then we need you to get involved. So the $10 a month, extremely effective. Uh, we're extremely thankful for it. But then get involved. So yeah. whether you're in Orange County, Inland Empire, San Diego, get involved, join, become a member, and All be right. the change you want to see. Sounds great. This is Don't Touch That Dial. Uh, Joe's coming up next with a gear review. His first one of 2022 right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. It's 2022. <laughs> uh, gun. All right. Here you go. <laughs> Starting off real professional. Yeah, totally. How do you carry your extra mags? Joe Dramisi is up next with his first gear review of 2022. That's right. But first, most companies waste a lot of money on marketing. The reason why is because they don't have a clear message. You are wasting money on your website. You are wasting money on your website, your social media, and your advertising if you don't have a clear, easy to understand message. Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies clarify their message and connect with customers. Contact them today and learn about their proven system to help you get better return on investment from your marketing dollars. Go to sagetree.com and learn a whole lot more. All right, Joe, what do you got? Okay, so I've got um, a couple of magazine carriers, spare magazine carriers from Extra Carry. And um, these are for the uh, the concealed carrier who feels the need to carry an extra magazine, which um, I have to admit I don't do right now, but I know lots of people that do uh, carry a, a spare magazine. And there's different reasons for carrying a spare magazine. I kind of go back and forth and... Um, you know, at the moment, I have a lot of other <laughs> junk that I seem to carry around. Um, but, you know, had I, uh, if I ever make the decision, I guess, or go with that for buy, for the, uh, if I ever feel like I have a need, I guess, because I may do that at some point, um, to carry a spare magazine, this is a good way to do it. And um, camera-wise, I don't know if you guys see that we have yeah, a, we have a camera guy today. So um, there's two versions that I have here, two flavors. I've got uh, this first one is for the uh, Glock 19. And then the other one I have is just uh, generic for any 9mm magazine, and it's a, kind of an adjustable thing. So we'll do the Glock 19 one first. And um, these are really nice. Uh, what I like about it, too, is, um, you know, being an old guy, uh, I like it when they actually put some material in here with the product. So you get actually a flyer. They've taken the time to give you some uh, information about the uh, product as well, which is nice. And um, you can see it here. And I've got a 9mm um uh, magazine in here, a Glock 19 magazine. So this is a 15 round magazine. And, um, you can see this is all one piece. It's carbon reinforced, uh, nylon is what this is made out of. And you can see the back of it and very, uh, you know, little, it's not much to it. It's one whole molded piece and, um, it clips onto the, uh, whoops, let's see if we're in that way. It, um, clips onto your, uh, inside your pocket. Basically, if you, uh, you can see here on the picture, so it clips, into the in, it clips onto your pocket and sits on the inside. And um, actually, you know, it's pretty uh, comfortable. I've been wearing these off and on all week. And uh, it's actually a pretty comfortable fit here. The, um, if I could, I don't know, can you see this? If I stand up, well, if I stand up, I won't be able to talk to you. Let's oh, see. Okay. 
Yeah, we can try to do there this. You go. Oh, I could put it. I have a pocket with me. We have the technology. So um, so let's see. If I were to put it in my pocket here, it fits in like that, and it just snaps in. And um, it's not bad. I saw one of the uh, – there's one guy that did a review that said, well, you could see a big square thing in your pocket. It looks like it doesn't look like a knife. And I don't know really that I noticed that in my pocket. I mean, yeah, I don't, right. I don't see anything like that. I don't either. And so and, what? Well, that's what I was saying. You know, and um, I mean, in Lakeside where I live, I mean, everybody and his uncle carries a knife. Everybody's got stuff clipped to them. So I mean, it's not, it's just not that big of a deal. The other thing that's interesting is, um, let me just look here. Uh, you can see it's in my pocket. What's nice about this is you can grab it pretty easily and come out. If I put it in the right way, <laughs> uh, you can grab it pretty easily and come out indexed which um, it's interesting because um, if you're doing this and you're reloading, you want to come out with it like this and then index it right up into the gun. And it's interesting um, on their video, I noticed the guy that shows it on the video kind of pulls it out like this and then kind of pushes it with a finger up into the gun to demonstrate it, which is interesting. If you do this kind of stuff a lot, you'll know that you want to grab it in there. You want to index it with your, your finger basically along the front of the magazine, and it goes right up in into the uh, mag well. So the mag goes into your pocket upside down so you can grab it properly. Right, and it's pretty much the way it would be. Um, again, if you were shooting and, you know, you have these uh, mag pouches on your belt anyway, it's pretty much how it would be in there. So it's sitting in there like this basically. So you would reach into the pocket, grab it like that. It comes out indexed and you're ready to go. Oh, yeah. So it holds up pretty nicely. Um, the uh, what's interesting too is if you look on the video uh, for the way that they show it on the um, the manufacturer's site, they say that you put it in like this. So this clip rotates ninety degrees, and what you would do is you put it. Oops, oh, yeah. Yeah, you put it down into the pocket like that, and then rotate this clip around onto the pocket. Which um, I don't know that I would do it that way. It's uh, it seems like, uh, you know, if you do that, this is pretty solid. I don't know how long that would last, you know, turning it like that. And I don't see the reason, really, I mean, unless I miss something on there. Because uh, you can see there's a pretty nice gap here. you got enough, you know, springiness in it to just tuck it down in there. So it it, um, it works pretty well. And uh, like I was saying, I was wearing it, and it was, um, it was pretty comfortable with me uh, all week in my pocket. The one thing I would say, though, is sitting down with it, this is up. This comes up pretty high out of your pocket, and this isn't adjustable. Uh, when we take a look at the other one they have, this is for the. Uh, this one here is for just a generic um, nine round magazine. So what I have in here is a is a, a Glock 17 double stack magazine, and if you look on the inside of it, well, if you look on the side here, this piece adjusts in and out. So there's a screw here, there's a screw there, and there's a screw there. So this will adjust in and out and make this thicker or thinner for different different widths of magazines. So this one's completely adjustable. The other thing on here is there's screws in the back that are adjustable that allow you to raise this thing up or lower it back down, you know, to make it, uh, to put it exactly where you want it. So um, this one's a little bit more adjustable than this one is. And this one uh, looks like kind of a lower profile here, it seems to be. Although now that I look at it, yeah, it's about the same size. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's pretty secure. This one seems more secure. Like if I shake it like that, it's not coming out on the adjustable one. Whereas, um, the one for the Glock 19, I mean, it's fine in your pocket, but again, somebody was, uh, was a little bit critical saying, well, if you're wrestling around or something, it's going to come out. Yeah, it might be. 
But um, again, it depends on how you dress too. I, I wear jeans mostly nowadays. Um, if I ever get old enough to wear old guy pants where I've got baggy pockets and stuff and I find myself wrestling around somewhere, yeah, I guess it might move around. But if I'm wrestling around somewhere, I got better. I got bigger problems. <laughs> I think so. Do you think that that will make you more likely to carry a magazine? Um, no. Well, you know, the thing is, I I carry. You know, I I got so much room here. I got so many pockets. Um, you know, I I carry the pepper spray because I feel good about that because I'm 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 getting too old now to be doing you know more physical hands-on stuff. So I'm comfortable with the pepper spray. Uh, I've got a small flashlight in that pocket. I've got a knife in the other pocket. So I'm already carrying stuff. Um, so that's kind of the one thing, cause I know some people carry them, they just carry mag a spare magazine loose in their pocket. And, uh, the problem with that is if you have to get to it kind of quickly, if it's loose in your pocket, you're going to be fishing around for it with this. If I were to carry it, I think I would do something like this because with this, it's right there. There is no, you know, I assume if you need another magazine, something bad is happening and you're in a hurry. So you don't really want to be fishing around in your pockets and, um, and my jeans tend to shrink nowadays. I know they they shrunk again since since Christmas, <laughs> and it just seems harder to get stuff in and out of pockets Must nowadays. Be the it's probably the weather. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> but um, well, it's you know you had a you had a good point off the air right before you went on. If especially if you know they do this ridiculous. I mean, it, right now we're safe. Our, our normal capacity magazines are safe. You can yeah. possess them. But if we ever get to the point where you're limited to ten round magazines, I think all of us would be far more likely to carry. Well, see, and that's what I'm thinking. I mean, and there's other reasons to carry a spare magazine. It's not not that you're necessarily going to need 15 rounds. I mean, I'm not a cop. I can get, you know, it doesn't take me 15 rounds to get two hits. But, um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes. Biting, biting social commentary <laughs> from Joe <Jordan's. laughs> Now, it's all meant, all meant in jest. It's all good humor. Oh. Um, but, um, the uh, you know, sometimes uh, I think. Like John Curry, I think, says about a third of the time on his channel, they'll have more than one attacker to yeah. where you might need, you know, more rounds like that. But the other thing is things happen with magazines. You know, if people inadvertently dump their magazine. They'll hit that mag release. Um, you know, if you're going to be under pressure like that, under stress, you're moving fast. Uh, you know, different things happen. Sometimes they just malfunction, and the answer is to drop the magazine. So having another magazine, you know, it's not so much that you need 30 rounds. But uh, just to have a spare magazine there, it might be a good deal. But I think you're right. I think um, if we get if we get pushed back in the substandard magazines where you've got to carry one with ten rounds, I think a lot more people are likely to uh, to carry extra magazines. I could I could definitely see a situation where I I uh, you know my my magazine gets screwed up and I I immediately reload my Glock with my car fob, you know. <laughs> So yeah. At least having you know an like, hey, this is my spare magazine. Having an established place where your spare magazine is. But I'm with you too. I mean, at some point, you know, you can't just you can't you know you can't go out with a Batman utility belt. You know? Well, and that and that's what I'm saying too. You know, it's and especially it depends on how you how you dress and what you wear and stuff. There may be other ways to move some things around or something. But but right now, I know I'm I'm comfortable with the pepper spray. Um, you know, I got talked back into the knife uh, mostly for opening Amazon boxes. I think, but. Um, but I do have the knife now, and I finally found the small uh, flashlight that's actually small enough to carry every day. So uh, I've got things in the pockets, and uh, right now it doesn't include another magazine. But I think if I did, this is not a bad deal. These things go for um, about $55, which is um, a little bit pricey, but it's a good solid thing. I think you only um, you probably buy this one time. This thing's going to last for a long time. 
I mean, if you, uh, you know, if you feel them, they're pretty well made. They feel like they're pretty solid. So I think uh, they would last quite a bit. Nice. And the uh, website they have is extracarry.com in case Dave uh, thinks to ask me that. All right. <laughs> All right, folks, don't touch that dial because Joe is going to get a grip in the next segment on Gun Owners Radio, <laughs> FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. Gun confiscation, can it work in America? Get a grip with Joe Dramisi next. But first, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash alpine. Are you in the military looking for help for a VA loan? If you're looking to buy a refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, you need to call our mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. All right, Joe, what do you got? Okay, so talk a little bit about gun confiscation. Uh, You know, not so much uh, because I started out with can it work in America? That doesn't really work anywhere they do it, but can it happen in America is a better question for that. So uh, that's this week's uh, article, which uh, I will publish tomorrow morning on the gun owner's site. And you can find it on, uh, or you'll be able to find it on uh, getagrip.substack.com as well tomorrow morning. Um, So I was looking at, the reason I I started thinking about this is I read an article where uh, the Canadian government, uh, I guess, implemented a ban. Again, it was another, an emotional reaction to some shooting they had up there. And they... uh, they passed a law, I guess, to institute a gun ban back in uh, May of 2020, I believe. And it's supposed to, uh, for sure, go into uh, effect in um, uh, April, this year, April 2022. And uh, what they're doing is, you know, it's a buyback kind of thing. And I, and I, I kind of, I call it a confiscation because that's really what it is. These, um, these buyback plans that you hear about, I mean, our government talks about them. You know, lots of other governments try them or do them. And it's not really a buyback thing. I think that's one of those deals with the uh, the language. Remember, we talk about the language being important. And I think that's a mistake sometimes that uh, the gun community makes is we let maybe the anti-gun forces make up these things like gun violence and uh, assault weapon and, and those kinds of terms that aren't, aren't really true terms. And buyback plans are really, I think a buyback thing falls into that category. Because for one, that you know the government never owned my guns, so they're not buying anything back. 
And, uh, you know, the buyer doesn't necessarily get to tell the seller, uh, what you're going to sell the thing for. And, um, the buyer certainly doesn't get to buy things from the seller that the seller is not interested in selling. So they're not really buyback plans, they're confiscation schemes, but they, um, they're implementing this in Canada and, uh, they estimate, cause right now, I guess they starting in uh, May of 2020, people were supposed to be turning in their guns and, uh, they estimate, uh, in Canada, there were somewhere between 90,000 and 105,000 guns that would fall onto this restricted or banned list. And to date, they've got a total of 160 guns that got that have been turned in so far. So it doesn't sound like everybody's real enthusiastic up there. And uh, one of the reasons, I guess, uh, that they're saying uh, that things haven't been, uh, uh, that there hasn't been a lot of participation, I guess, is because they don't really have the system up and running yet. So for anyone that would be foolish enough to turn in a gun now, they wouldn't be compensated for it. So they think that's holding it up a little bit. But um, I was looking at that and, you know, because Canada really, you know, compared to other countries and different places, really did not have a big problem uh, with violent crime, with uh, criminals using guns to commit crimes. Uh, really not a big problem with mass shootings and things like that. So kind of a knee-jerk reaction. There may be other... Uh, other motives behind this thing. But, um, I was looking at that and thinking, okay, well, you know, could that happen here? I guess, uh, could that kind of a, a buyback scheme be implemented? Cause it's certainly been talked about here and different countries, countries have tried it. Uh, the UK has done it now, uh, for years, I guess they've, um, they've tried to get rid of guns in their country. And we were talking about that a little bit in one of the other segments and it's, uh, you know, it really hasn't done that well in terms of, uh, crime there. I guess if, if you go with, you know, what's the intended purpose? I, I would assume, giving governments the benefit of the doubt, that the intended purpose is to either reduce violent crime and or increase public safety. And it really doesn't seem to do that. Um, you know, the uh, information coming out of the out of the UK, with the exception of Dave's guy that he watched uh, a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, for the most part, it doesn't say much has been happening there in terms of reducing that kind of stuff. And the crime has uh, shifted. I think um, Dave was mentioning earlier that, uh, you know, they have a lot of other violent crime now, you know, that criminals use things other than guns. The other thing that's interesting in England, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we did the uh, Bump in the Night article, um, hot burglaries. The difference between, you know, hot burglaries and cold burglaries. So cold burglaries being uh, when the burglar comes into a house or a residence that's occupied versus uh, that being a hot burglary is occupied cold burglary would be an unoccupied house. And uh, in the United States, most burglaries, about 75% of them are cold burglaries because burglars go to uh, great lengths to make sure nobody's home before they sneak into the house to steal whatever they're going to steal. In the uh, UK, it's completely different. It's 75% are hot burglaries. Wow. So, and I don't, I would imagine part of that at least is because they know people are unlikely to be armed. That's a huge stat, really. Yeah. That's interesting. And it is interesting. And, you know, so those things have unintended consequences, but they've done them in the UK. They've done them in Australia, which, um, you know, Australia's crime was, was dropping anyway for years. Um, before, again, they had a mass shooting in 96, uh, 30, 35 people, I think, were killed. And that resulted in their severe, uh, you know, gun restrictions. And it really hasn't, hasn't done much in terms of reducing crime over there. Um, you know, in Australia, they, they say they confiscated 700,000 uh, firearms at a cost of about $700 million. And, you know, it didn't really have much of an impact. So, 
you know, I was thinking, could that happen here? And, uh, you know, it could happen here. I guess we go back to the questions because um, lots of uh, politicians here have talked about doing, you know, uh, banning uh, what they call assault rifles or doing some kind of buyback scheme or something like that. And everybody from Joe Biden to Hillary Clinton to the lowly Beto O'Rourke um, have uh, talked about doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think if you ask some questions, could it happen here? I, you know, I think it could in our current political climate. Um, I think something like that could probably get through Congress. And if it got to Joe Biden's desk, he would sign it. Um, would it have any effect on, uh, on crime in this country? Probably not. Uh, if anything, it would probably make us less safe. I would think if they did something like that, would it be struck down by the courts is another question. And probably, possibly, I don't know. Depends on the court. It would certainly be challenged. Um, but I mean, that's another question in general, would Americans comply? And that's an interesting part too. Uh, if you're in one of the more oppressed States where your rights are completely trampled, like California, New York, New Jersey, where the state knows what guns you have, they know who owns guns, they know what guns they are. It would be difficult to not comply. I think in those States, because you'd be asking as a gun owner, you would have to consciously make a decision to break a law, to actively break a law. And I think most people probably wouldn't do that. Um, but in the, you know, 43 or so free states, um, I doubt that compliance would be that high. But, you know, you would know, I guess, until it would happen. Um, but I, my guess would be in most of America, people really would be reluctant to comply. Because I think a lot of gun owners are more more aware of the world. They're more aware of the, the purpose of guns, the reason we have guns. And I, I think they would be less likely to do something that endangers themselves or their families. But, you know, who knows? You have to wait and see. But, you know, would, if that were to happen here in America, would that be good for the country overall? You know, my, my guess is that probably not. I think uh, something like that would probably be bad for the country and bad for all Americans. But but who knows? Either, no matter where you stand on COVID um, and, and, and the response to COVID, whether you think everything they did was great or you think everything they did was horrible or you're somewhere in between. I do think it's proof positive that if there was some kind of uh, extreme gun confiscation, people would comply. All right. Okay. Hey, folks. Pretty interesting. Hey, don't go anywhere from gang member to Army Ranger. We're talking to Angel Cortez in studio on Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. So gang member to Army Ranger to entrepreneur and Angel Cortez is in studio. What a success story, huh? We'll but see. first, American Shooters is the newest gun shop in San Diego and Gun Owners Radio's newest show sponsor, American Shooters, is having their grand opening on Wednesday, January 15th at 1464 Graves Avenue, just off the Bradley exit. Exit. Well, I got my face trapped in my oh. headphones. You all right, Dave? I'm doing fine. Happy New Year. Uh, and if you're looking for a great shop for any of your firearm needs, go visit American Shooters. Tell Ernie you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. They have a great selection of new and used and consigned firearms. 
put it in your calendar right now, January 15th for the grand opening celebration at American Shooters, 1464 Graves Avenue, off the Bradley exit in El Cajon. So American Shooters, real quick, American Shooters is over by the Greek chicken place off of 67. It's really, I got to tell you, they pretty much... Uh, they were not open through the entire for the last like two years, so they missed the whole surge and mm-hmm. the COVID thing. Go check out their selection. If you are any kind of collector, if you're looking for guns, uh, if you're looking for ammo, go check out their selection. Uh, awesome job. How about some chicken? And definitely pick me up some. Some I actually <laughs> like the euro. I like the euro better than their chicken, but really? you know, to each their own. Angel Cortez, how are you, man? Good, sir. Thank you uh, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So I'm I'm pretty fascinated by your story. Um, let's let's kind of uh, let's start let's let's go chronologically. So what is it, so you were a gang member. You were a, yes. a, 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 a a a legit you know no stuff gang member. Card carrying, card carrying gang member. Yes, sir. What is that? What does that mean? You know, I'm a. Well, wait a minute. Does he look like a gang member to you? I don't know. What does a gang <laughs> member look like? I don't well, even. Well, he doesn't look like this guy. I'm a. <laughs> You know, this guy I, looks like one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. I think so. You know, I'm a pudgy white guy who lives in the suburbs. You look. I like don't a, know. What you a, look like a gang. Well, I don't know what gang that would be. It would be a pretty lazy gang. <laughs> so, what does that Denny's, mean to be a, a gang boys? Yeah. Um, well, I, I was part of a of a local gang, and you know, we we did everything. We sold guns, drugs. We you know various crimes, and wow. and depending on the level that. You were at, you know, you you had your own crew within the gang, and you know, obviously, you're just trying to not get caught. And some guys are getting caught; they're, they're doing prison time, or or they're getting lost in drugs, or or they're getting killed. How old were you when you became a gang member? Uh, fourteen. You're fourteen. Now, is there is there like a is it like the movies? I mean, how do you how do you know how do you become a gang member? It well, I became a gang member because uh, I grew, uh, you know. When you're young, you're just a kid, so they ignore you for the most part. Uh, but then I became an age where, you know, I wasn't invisible to them. Like, they could see me. They, they, they're they like, hey, this guy's about to – Are you? what gang are you part of? And at the time, I was just a skater. Um, I just hung out with a bunch of skaters, and one day one of them tried to steal our skateboard. And not mine, but it was my friend's skateboarder. And I remember I wanted to do something about it, but I couldn't because, you know, they outnumbered us, and, and, and I knew who they were. And we were just skaters, but uh, I I realized I had to make a decision. I was either going to get punked by these guys from that you know from that day on, or I was going to stand up for myself. And I just wanted to stand up for myself. I I I didn't have the I didn't I didn't want to be a gang member. I just this particular gang from my school would just do stuff like that, and, and I would see them pick on people all the time, steal their stuff, bully them, and I just wanted to stand up for myself and I met some guys who are like, hey, we don't like those guys. And I was like, hey, I don't like them either. And they're like, you know, you, you know, hang out with us. And 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 little by little they they groom you to like, hey man, maybe don't dress like that or hey, you want to do this, you want to do that. And and next thing you know, they're like, hey man, so you've been hanging out with us. You know, you want to get jumped in. And at that point, you, you know, you're you're already engulfed in all in, in all of it. So you're like, yeah. What does it mean to get jumped in? Um I had about Five or six guys uh, basically just had to fight them, and they 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 you get jumped in because I mean it's it's five six guys, so you just why do they all do that? It seems like every gang 
there's the same initiation. Like, is there a... Yeah, there's... And it actually varies because some of them, you know, they make you do a crime, like a serious crime first or something like that. Um, I don't know, I don't know where it started, but it kind of just became a thing where, you know, maybe because they want to see if you're tough or something. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, so you get jumped in and then, like, you know, how does it escalate? Like, it, it sounds like, hey, I just want to be a part of something. You know, I wanted to outnumber these guys that are picking on me. How does that escalate to drugs and guns and, you know? Well, you know, I grew up poor. And uh, when when you are from a low-income community, there's certain things in there, and that's crime and drugs. So it's already around you. So it's not like something that, you know, is foreign and, and you don't see or anything like that. So the idea of somebody robbing a store or carrying an illegal gun or doing drugs— that wasn't that wasn't really foreign to you. That was no, fairly no. common. Yeah, because I remember like in our in our apartment complex, if I wanted to do laundry, you know, my mom would be like, "Hey, go put in the clothes," and 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 I would go put in clothes, and you know, I would walk by certain apartments, and you, and you can see the gang members hanging out, you know, drunk and and, and doing drugs, and and, and that, that wasn't weird. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is scary. Yeah, no, it was just, that was just normal. That you know. There's kids playing, and then there's gang members in the corner. Were you ever, were, you know, okay, so, so you get jumped in, and things start to escalate. Now you're part of, you know, I'm, I'm sure that now you have responsibilities. You have yeah. to, the, you have to do what certain people tell you to do. There are yeah. certain things that are happening that you have to be a part of. You know, was there ever a time where you were just like, man, this is getting out of control. This isn't really what I wanted. I'm, you know, were you, were you scared or no, because- intimidated or- because I, I was angry at the time. I didn't really understand why, but I was angry because of my childhood. I had a very abusive childhood. My my dad wasn't around. Um, obviously, you know, you, then you have, um, you know, testosterone because you're, you're a teenager going through puberty. So you have all this stuff going on, then the peer pressure. Um, but I knew I would look around and um, and and when I would hang out with them and some, some of these guys, I would just look at them and be like, dude, you and I are not the same. Like, I'm, I'm just here for protection. Um, I'm here because I, I, I want I, I want to be part of something, obviously, but I didn't know that I wanted to be part of something. It was just the lack of probably family back at home. Yeah. And and I was selling drugs and, and while some of the guys were were selling drugs and buying chains and stuff like that, I was buying food for my brother and my sister because wow. we didn't have anything. And I'm not trying to justify it, but you know, where in my situation and what what I was dealt and what was in front of my face, that was the best option for me to to do that stuff. I'm guessing, I don't know, did it ever, I'm guessing it didn't go through your head like, hey, what I'm doing is wrong. You know, like this is bad, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. It probably felt more like survival. It felt, yeah, 100%. It was more survival than anything. And then, you know, at a certain point, I mean, I knew, I was like, this can't, there's no future to it. Like you see it, you, guys that I, I used to hang out with, next thing you know, one day they're dead because, you know, they, they got shot up. Somebody, so like a friend of yours. So you're yeah. 14, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And somebody that was that you were hanging out with last week, you yep. know, in in the same gang, and this week they're they're dead. Yeah. Like how did do you remember the first time? Yeah, some, I, I remember his. Uh, well, his nickname was Coco, and uh, you know, he, he was just a little bit older than me. He was like 17 or 18, and when you're that young, it's 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 you know right. a lot older. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. So I remember, and social media wasn't what it was back then. This is, you know, what, 2005, 2004? Mm -hmm. So I remember hanging out, we're hanging in front of the apartments, and, and one of the guys comes around the corner, and he looks kind of sad, and he's like, did you hear about Coco? And I'm like, no, what, what are you talking about? They're like, he's dead. I'm like, what do you mean he's dead? I was just hanging out with him 
like two days ago, we were right here just hanging around, just joking around. And they're like, yeah, he got shot up. You know, he went to a rival's neighborhood, went looking for trouble, and, and he found it. And he got shot up. Do you remember ever being scared? Do you ever remember, like, like you were doing something or involved or maybe it was a confrontation and you're like, oh, my God, I'm terrified right now? Well, yeah, there have been some moments where I realized this is not what I wanted. I just wanted not to be messed with. I wanted to stand up for myself. Mm. But, um, you know, you, I'm surrounded by guys who I don't consider friends. I don't, I, you know, but I'm, I'm now so in there, it, it, it feels almost impossible to get out. Wow. Um, but as I got older, um, I kind of gained a reputation and I had my own crew within the gang. So what was your reputation? Um, I was, I was, a, I was a very violent individual. Um, I was, I was, I led by example. I, I, I knew, and, and the older guys knew, they knew how to manipulate it. And, you know, these guys are, are, are master manipulators and they, they saw that I was hungry uh, as in to like prove myself to be part of something. So, you know, it, I was the first to fight. I was the first to do this and that. And then one day um, I got stabbed and then I realized that this wasn't about fistfights anymore. This is, this is serious. And, and I remember I was 15 and I, I went to the older guys. I was like, hey, I want to buy a gun. I want to buy a bulletproof vest. And, and they just saw like, you know, like a, like their golden ticket. Like this is going to be our guy. And they, and, but it, so, it, so, so you had a crew. What, what exactly? I mean, I don't know what you can or want to talk about. But oh, I'll talk about everything and anything. We sold drugs. Um, we sold everything. How did you know how to do? Like, how do you know? You know what I mean? Like, how did yeah. you know how to sell drugs? The the older guys. Well, you know, when I got got in, I just wanted backup, right? I got it. I see them, you know, doing drugs, and then on the side, some of them are selling. People are coming to them. They're customers. And and they have money and, and I'm like, hey man, I want some of that. I don't want it because I want to buy rims and gold chains. It's because I go home and there's no dinner. Right. I look at my brother and my sister, we got hand me downs. There's nothing. We are our, our parents are abusive and I nobody told me like, hey, they're your responsibility. So, I just took it on. So then when you were running your own crew, did you kind of do it your own your way? Like, hey, this is how yeah. I'm gonna do it. This is how like what was different the way that you did things than we, we were structured and, and I if we were going to do something dumb, we were going to, the way I like to say, if you're going to do something dumb, be smart about it. And none of us ever, all of us within the crew probably should have got multiple years, if not life, for a lot of the stuff that we did. Um, did, which, you, did you ever get arrested? Uh, yeah, but like more like stopped, um, but but never anything. And and I mean, one of the biggest things is like is like marijuana. A lot of people don't know like. The kids growing up now, they mm -hmm. don't see it as a big deal. But back then, you were getting the same years yeah. for weed than you were doing for Coke. Yeah. So when was, we were selling, it's crazy. we knew guys who, who got like 10 years, 15 years for weed. And yeah. we were and, and we know like, hey, man, we can go do some serious time. Now you can go to a dispensary. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> hey, I'm kind of, I wish I was, I wish I could sleep better. And they give you, yeah. you would have gotten 10 years to whatever. So but he still doesn't look like a gang member. I, I so how did you... Well, that's where we're headed. You didn't how, have how glasses, did, right? You didn't have glasses. I didn't have glasses. Okay. How did you get out? What, well, what? let's take a break. We'll find well, out when we get back. Okay. Perfect. I know you're dying. Yeah, I am. We're going to have to hook you up. I, it, with, you need with, to be a gang member. I, honestly. At least for a day. I think, I think this is... <laughs> Can you hook him up, Angel? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Joe? 
No. Okay, no. just checking. My, the only gang I'd be involved with would be Green. Gang Green. Okay. Oh, my Lord. All right, folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio FM 961. <laughs> AM 1170. The answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. <clears throat> hey, we're real proud to have the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the, tw- the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They'd offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and provide rock bottom prices at the best selection of gear and accessories join them today members get great prices and free shipping you can learn a whole lot more from Nash- about them at national concealed carry association.com okay we're talking to angel cortez former gang member former army ranger and current cool guy um <laughs> A pool guy? <laughs> not pool guy. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think he's not a pool guy. Cool guy. Okay, so we were talking about your experience. You went through, you know, you were in a gang as, as a kid. You kind of moved up uh, through the ranks. And then what what got you out? So <clears throat> I the I was deep. I was deep in it. and But I knew there's no future in this. There's, there just, just isn't. And sooner or later... You knew there was no future because you're watching your friends die. Yeah, you're die. Your friends go to jail. Go to jail. You know, um, and I had to make a decision. I had to, I had to admit not only to myself within, but outside, uh, within the crew that I had in the gang. That's like, hey man, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 path that we are on is wrong. There was no future, and we need to get out. But you can't walk. You can't walk away from this, can you? Yeah, well, you can and you can't. I got lucky because, uh, like I said, I, I, I had a crew within there, and, and at the time, at that specific time, about 95% of all violent crimes committed by that gang uh, were for my crew. And then me, spear, I was spearheading all that stuff. So so when you quit, they all quit? Not just that, but it, it was easy because I was the muscle. I mean, the crew was the muscle. So when I told them, like, hey, man, I'm out, and they're out. Um, oh, you told them that yeah. they were out. Yeah. Uh, well, I told I told I, I gathered the guys at my friend's house, and I was like, "Hey, man, we we need to get out." And and some of them were like, "They had already seen the path that we were going, and and they you know knew that I was different. They were different from the all the other gang members that were that were part of the gang. And uh, but some of them did question me. They're like, "Are you sure?" I was like, yeah, and then it took them, you know, a couple of weeks to turn, you know, come around, and then they're like, yeah, dude, we're out. Were, were you afraid? Were you like, I'm afraid that I just told all these guys that we're leaving. I'm afraid these guys are going to go tell somebody else, and then I'm going to get attacked. Yes, uh, I, um, but again, at the time, I mean, I already had guns. I, I had a bulletproof vest. I, <laughs> I, I was, and they were afraid of you. I was seasoned, you know, so I wasn't the biggest gangster, you know. I, of course, I got jumped and I got beat up and all this and that, but I mean, I want more, you know, than I than I lost. So I told them, like, hey, man, and if you want, and I told the, my crew, I was like, hey, anyone who doesn't want to let us be, we're going to end it. There, there's no fights back and forth. It's it's all or nothing. So because it's going to be all or nothing. So when I told the gang, I was like, hey, I'm out and they're out too. And if you're going to come after us, you know exactly, you know exactly what's going to happen to you. Wow. 
And what mm-hmm. I found interesting was that the the guys that I thought would give us the toughest time were like, you know what, man, go do your thing, dude. Wow. And the ones who I thought would 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 understand, they'd be like, call me all types of names and say that they're gonna you know do this and do that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they never did. Um, and then some of the gangs that we had problems with were like, okay. Um, but some of them wouldn't let it be, and and it got heated, um, you know, and and we did what we had to do, and I mean, for the most part, you know, we're all okay. So what was your what was your plan? You're like, okay, we're gonna stop doing this. Yeah. What, I, you, were you like, hey, I'm gonna graduate high school and join the army, or yeah, what was your plan? No. So I were you going to school during all this? Uh, I was. So through all this, we're we're some of us are are failing classes or quitting school. Before we actually even got out, like the day that I said, hey, we're out, I, we were already doing the transition. I, I made everybody slowly start getting real jobs, go back to school, take it serious, and or con- finish continuation school. And I had a full-time job um, and and trying to uh, get my GED because at that point I had gotten kicked out of high school. So they're like, hey, you're going to um, um, continuation school. And then I got kicked out of that. So so. I was already on the path. One other guy wanted to join the Marine Corps. I wanted to join the Army, um, and so how did you pick? How did you? Why did you pick the Army? Number one, and then how? I I don't know. I didn't I didn't surf, but I, doesn't the military say, "Hey, you ever committed a crime before?" I mean, how did how did you get into the? Why did you pick the Army, and how did you get into the Army with that? Because he's path? smart. So I picked the Army because um, smart. Gr- yes, <laughs> growing up. I would, you know, like most kids, I like Batman and Superman. But when I would watch war movies, I knew that Batman and Superman were fake, and the individuals in these documentaries or movies were real. And I wanted to be like them. I, I appreciated that they took care of themselves, that they showed a level of love that is obviously so high that they're willing to put their lives on the line. Um, so, kind of what you were looking for in a gang. Yes, a hundred percent. You know, and but you never got incarcerated or put in jail. Nope. That's why the military was able to allow you to join. Yes. If you'd had a hardcore record, it wouldn't have been a prayer. That, 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 for the most part, that's true. But uh, when the military wants guys, they want, they'll, they'll get their numbers. Um, because I did, I did, mm-hmm. I had, um, I had two arrests, um, one with a deadly weapon and one with, oh. with guns, I mean, with, uh, with uh, drugs. Um, so you need a waiver, you know? And so they'll give you waivers during the specific times like i'm pretty sure during the invasion they were if you had oh, a yeah. whatever you had they were signing off because i needed they somebody needed to people sign for because what was going on in afghan and, and iraq yeah you know now uh, right Afghanistan now and uh, iraq. Uh, yeah now right now i'm not sure if they're that lenient okay so you go in how old were you when you enlisted <laughs> 17 you were 17 yeah wow so you had to get your parents permission or yeah, whatever I, yeah i did but at that point i didn't live with my parents you know what's crazy you were 17 but you were probably 47. Yeah, you know what I mean? You were like you were probably like you were probably far more you'd have more life experience, you'd had more serious life experience than most 17-year-olds. Yeah, that's that's probably true. So I mean, when we like hey, you're like, "Oh my gosh, you're 17, you joined the army. You just got out of an army." You know? Now you're joining, you know, yeah. the, the US army, you know? How fast did you move up in rank in the military? Cuz they must have seen you had leadership skills. Um yeah, it I mean, before I was before I was old enough to even buy a beer, I was, you know, leading men in war. I was a sergeant before I turned twenty-one. Right, that's what I thought. Um, oh, okay, so so you go to uh, you go to is it basic training? Yeah, you go to basic training. You got some guy yelling at you in your face. You were just a a 
you know, a hardened gang member who had a crew, and now you got some twenty-five-year-old drill drill instructor who's who's yelling in your face. You know, what was that like? I I loved every moment mm-hmm. of it because I respected those men. Mm-hmm. I, I I looked up to them. I wanted to be them. So so you know, I didn't have any issue. Um, but it, when I did have an issue was where where <laughs> guys in basic training would try to yell at you, and I'm and the the way I saw it was like, dude, you're not. You're nobody. I'm not sure why you're yelling at me. You don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So why do you, so it's you had a really a, a fantastic career in the army for eight years. You were in the army for eight years. Yeah, yeah. I was in for eight years. I, I made it into special operations. I was fortunate enough to be part of uh, First Ranger Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, um, and I spent some. Why time. did you, Why did you Why did you do that? Um, because I. I I, well, when I first joined, I, I didn't know the difference. I didn't know there was a selection process for these special operation units. I just, I thought you just went in and they just put you there. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know anything. So once I found out, you know, there was a selection process and, and, you know, they want, you get the best of the best training and equipment and, and I wanted it. So I, I trained up, I, I made it. You wanted to be the best. Yeah. And not just that, but I, at the time I didn't have any accomplishments underneath my belt. So it was kind of hard to believe in myself because these selection process, yes, you have to meet the physical requirements, but more than anything, it's mental, wow. and and you have to believe in yourself. And I was fortunate enough to have a a mentor in in the military. His name's uh, Hugo Vanderwall, and and he helped me, you know, believe in myself, and and he taught me a lot, and and you know, prepared me physically. And so when I went, you know, I passed. Who is this guy? He uh, was an older. Yeah, he, he was a, he was a sergeant. Um, and then we say older, but like, yeah, he was, it, he was he, like 25. Yeah. He was like 25. So not that much, you know? So why did this guy take a shine to you? I, I ask him that all the time. And he, he's, he's, he's my best friend. He's one of my best friends. He's, you know, the highest mentor that I have. I have multiple mentors, but he's right there on the top. And he is the top. I mean, and I asked him one day, I'm like, what, what did you look in me and, and what did you see in me? And he said, he said, you look like you wanted to learn mm. and, and, and you had a, a drive, but you, you were, you just needed direction. You needed a guidance and him being a, a, at the time a sergeant, I mean, that's his job. So, so he just put all this time and energy in me and, and, you know, I owe him a lot. So what did you do as a ranger? So what's your job? What 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 are the actual activities? Oh, so oh, oh, uh, I was a de- uh, demolition specialist. So uh, <laughs> I blown up anything from um, you know vehicles, weapons, walls, doors, uh, bombs, or other no- uh, also known as IEDs that the Taliban or Al Qaeda put in the roads, walls for us. Um, you Why know? did you pick that? Well, because uh, one one of my friends growing up had cable. So I would go to his house and I would watch the, the discovery channel and national geographic channel. And I would always see all the specials on, on the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and I saw these things called IEDs that were killing soldiers. So I wanted to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, and th- that's how I, I, I got there. What, how do you, were you particularly patriotic? It sounds like you were kind of a patriotic guy. I, well, I'm actually the first one in my family to be born here. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't think about the label as patriotic, um, but yes, the, I, I was. Um, you were you, proud to be an American. I was proud to be here because, growing up, I mean, you know, my 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 mom and my dad, when they were around, when they weren't, you know, abusing us, they would tell us about stuff. And most of my grandparents, my grandparents really raised us. They would tell us about what life was in Mexico and stuff like that. And and as a as a young kid, I remember just being like, man, that's not 
my reality here. Even though I have it bad here, yeah. that's not what oh, I see. they went through and, and yeah. I'm really lucky. And one of the biggest things also is that, you know, my my mom got on um, food stamps. So I was born and raised, you know, on food stamps. So another big reason why I joined it was because the way I saw it was, uh, you know, this country took care of my brother and sister and I providing us food for years. And then so when 9-11 happened, I wasn't old enough. But as soon as I was old enough, I saw it as my opportunity to give back to the country that took care of us. That 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 seems like an unusual attitude to have towards your environment if you grew up poor in a in a gang um food stamps and and you had you had pride and, and we're thankful we're, we're actually we're going to take you into the next segment because yeah, we got what? a lot to talk about the military did it all so let one well, for the military right yeah, yeah you well be. but you went into let, let's talk about it more let's keep talking about it all right folks michael's getting all excited over yeah, here you gonna join up you gonna join up tomorrow no come on you need to join this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, well, hey, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube and your favorite podcast. Two, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show and puts it in front of a whole lot of people. All right, so we're talking to uh, Angel, and uh, we were just talking about your upbringing and how you, like you said, you didn't really have a label for it. You, you didn't look at yourself as being patriotic, but that's really, you know, you had pride in your country, and you, were, you said you were thankful for, for everything, and you'd heard stories about uh, where your grandparents grew up in Mexico and how, hey, I, I, I have it so much better here in America. Even though you grew up very poor, um, didn't always know where your next meal was coming from, joined a gang, um, you know, a lot of violence, always looking over your shoulder, got stabbed, had a really rough upbringing. I don't know if that – that sounds like an unusual uh, response to that environment. I, I don't know if everybody in your environment has pride in the United States. Um, is that is was that – was your attitude towards the U.S. unusual, or what I, do you think? You know, I, I think – no, I'm not the only story like this. There's a lot of them. And now that on social media, uh, I've gotten attraction and a bunch of messages, you know, daily mm-hmm. about guys who are now EMTs or they're cops or they're something or right. they're in the military. Um, but uh, this is surprising to some people or maybe to a lot. But uh, within those gangs, they, they respect um, the military, um, you know, because almost any any one of them has a cousin or a brother or an uncle or something that or some, you know, that's in the military. Um, and I, I understand that's, you know, might be strange and, you know, kind of productive within, within that type of thinking mentality. But I mean, a lot of, a lot of the people in there like the military. Wow. Okay. So you go through basic training, you go through, I think they call it a school. Is that what they call it? Well, you know, AIT and then, and then you have airborne school and then the, the selection process to become a ranger. And you became a ranger. Yep. How hard was that? Um, it was hard. It was, I mean, you know, we started with like 200 something, you know, 
people and you I think we only graduated like 90 95 wow um and I mean you know and did you did you go right was it is it a did you were you with a different unit first and then you go yeah I was uh, I was in the regular army uh first and then and then like I was saying my my mentor believed in me when I told him like hey man I I want to join special operations and he's like you can do it and you know, uh, for the listeners, I mean, I'm not a big guy. I'm I'm five six, uh, uh, and when I went through the selection process, I was only 130 pounds. Um, so I'm going through the selection process with guys who look like Captain America, who look like <laughs> Thor, but but they're quitting. And and it took me a while to realize, you know, all the stuff that that people were telling me, like Hugo, like, hey man, you got you got to believe in yourself, and 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 the pain is gonna it's not gonna be there forever. And embrace the suck. Just go through it one day at a time, and, and you can do it. And next thing you know, in graduation, you know, I'm there. So the first time you saw combat, or the first time you were in a war zone, were you in the regular army, or was it a, were you a uh, ranger? No, no, I was I was in the regular army, and then um, my first part where when, when I got to be part of the special operations community was in Afghanistan, um, and that for me was the most in, I mean intense fighting, um, you know, because we got attached to a special uh, forces group from third group. Uh, so, you know, we got attached to that team and we were in the eastern part of Afghanistan, which is the mountains. And I mean, I wanted, you know, to be tested. I wanted, you know, to, to, to do the whole thing, to do the whole war thing. And at the time, I, I, I didn't understand that. Um, and some of the seasoned guys were like, this, this thing that you want, you, you don't want. And then I went through it and then I realized what it, what it was. Because were you was, infantry? Uh, I was a, I Oh, was no, a, you were bomb. You were bomb. So, so. <clears throat> What I didn't um, consider, really think, was that, you know, everything else that's going to happen, like your friends dying, your friends getting hurt, um, you know, there's, there's a there's a price to pay for war. You know, you I'm I, I have everything, you know, but I've lost you know I lost a lot of friends. Um, a lot of friends got hurt. A lot of friends didn't come back like how, you know, they, they came back a fraction of themselves. Mm. I mean, me, for the most part, I, I got lucky. I'm not sure if it's uh, the universe, dumb luck, or God, but. So the first time that you went into, uh, into a war zone, and the first time maybe you went into combat yeah. in a war zone, um, did it, was it familiar? Did, did you feel like you had maybe a, a, a you know, insight? In, that in, in a way, didn't? in a way. Yes, um, but in also a way, no, because like I mean, no one's shooting rockets at you in 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 you know in Orange County, in Orange County, or in Southern California. You know, no one's putting bombs in, on the roads yeah. for you. So that was different. That was that's where I was shocked when 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 they were shooting at us. I remember being like, okay, well, I, I kind of did a little something, you know, in the neighborhoods, but but this is this is different. This is the big leagues, you know. And and I remember the first firefight, you know, and 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 after that and. Um, I held myself, you know, I held my own. And, and, and it made me proud that when seasoned guys who'd been in special operations for like 10, 12 years would be like, all right, this is the mission plan, so-and-so. You go here, you go there. Cortez is with me. And when they were like, hey, Cortez, you come with me, I was like, mm, this, yeah, like, uh, I, obviously I'm doing something good. Yeah, made it. Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway? Like, what did the military, eight years in the military, why'd you get out first? Um, I kind of, I, I got out and it, it kind of by surprise, you, you have your ETS date, basically when your contract ends, I was so in, 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 you know, deep into being a ranger that one day they, they call me they're like, Hey man, you know, you're nine months out from, from your ETS date. And I was like, what? They're like, I was just so 
focus on being the best that I could be at that I I didn't even consider like, hey, your contract's about to be out. It's about to be up. And people were telling me, hey, man, you look like a lifer. You're a lifer. But at the time, I, I didn't like the restraints and restrictions that they were giving us. Um, they were basically making us fight with one hand, you know, one arm behind our back. A, a bunch of the season guys were getting out. And and I was in, in a point where, you know, for almost a decade, my wife would follow me everywhere, never told me no on anything. She was super supportive. You were married. Yeah. Coming with, out of a gang, 17, joined the Army, and you were married. Yeah, two wow. kids. And and I'd miss a lot. Like, the birth of my kids, I, was, yeah. I wasn't there for. And, and I mean, yes, because I, I was, you know— at war, but but they don't know that. They just know, hey, dad's right. not here. Um, so, you know, I I asked her, what do you you know, should I can I re up or or should I get out? And she, she's like, what do you want to do? And and I thought about it for about a week or two, and, and I was like, you know what, let's get out. And then I got out uh, to go to school to become a registered dietitian because when I was actually still an active duty special operations guy, I was also competing in in fighting and and Muay Thai and kickboxing. Um. And uh, because we have we have such a high budget and and have all the cool guy gear, uh, but not just the gear, but we have like multi million dollar uh, gym facilities for ourselves in our private private compound, and we have physical trainers, athletic trainers, and registered dietitians. So you're always competing in that environment. And any if you can be just a little bit faster, it's huge in there because we're all competing. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we know we're competing. You just go into the gym in the morning, and there's some guy, you know, riding the bike, uh, and he goes starts going faster, and then you go faster, and then you are you're competing. So that's this is the environment that we're in, you know. So when I saw the the sign on the door that said registered dietitian, I remember thinking like I don't know what that is, but it's got the word diet in it. Maybe like, maybe it'll help me. And she knew how to talk to us because she said, what would you change in your diet if I can make you 5 to 10% faster and stronger? <laughs> and, and in that environment, that's everything. It's like, yeah, I want to be faster yeah. and stronger. So she told me how to change my diet, and it helped me so much. Um, it helped me, and I actually had a fight coming up and, and, and helped me you know, compete and, compete and train. So I won that fight. I, I believed in her. So when I got out, I started, go, I started going to school to become a registered dietitian. I'm oh. actually – Two classes away from earning my bachelor's. Wow! And you mean wow. no more mess hall food? <laughs> yeah. No what? More. <laughs> How could you walk away? You would love it, dude. They got spaghetti. I do like spaghetti. Yeah, I know. Denny's. Um, Denny's spaghetti. Denny's spaghetti. It's a whole. It's really good. If you haven't been to Denny's Don't lately, even think. try their spaghetti. They'll just shoot your whole program. Under the <laughs> so, what else are you doing? How did uh, How did we come into contact with you? So, I am. Um, I am the owner of OG Pumpkin, which is a company that uh, I actually now sponsor UFC fighters and and skaters. Uh, it started out started off as a as a clothing company and sticker company because when I got out, I had lost my purpose and I had lost my brotherhood, and I didn't know that at the time. Um, so I started hosting UFC fights at my house and inviting veterans from my gym and school. And after three years of doing this, uh, I was gonna about to have my third child, and my wife's like, "Hey, we." We got to stop doing these events because you know we're we're going negative into our bank account, or we're barely making rent. Uh, we have a third kid coming, and I know what these you know events mean to you and the guys, but we just can't do it anymore. And I knew she was right, but I want I wanted to do something about it. So one day uh, I was watching The Office with my wife and my five year old son drew a pumpkin, and he's like, "This is for you," and I was like, "This is going to be my logo." For my company, because <laughs> cool. like I have a Halloween, I like Halloween, you know, like that type of 
that type of thing. Um, if you've ever seen in my combat footage or combat pictures, I have skeleton gloves or, or a skeleton bandana. I like Halloween. So I started making T-shirts and, and stickers off of that. And I, I didn't know. I, I just wanted to cover the food and the UFC pay-per-view that I was getting. And then now it's 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 huge. It's, what's, what's your website? How do people find your stuff? Um, the On Instagram, it's the OG Pumpkin. Um, the you know website you can you can Google OG Pumpkin or Ranger Cortez um, for more interviews or, or anything like that. Um, and now I host I host events. To our biggest one was uh, last year. We had 400 people show up. We turned a warehouse into a skate park, um, and we had CJ from the Ramones come and play. We had uh, <laughs> law enforcement and veterans um, vendors. Um, and, and, and I co-hosted it with, with Thrashing Raid, who's, who is a special, former special operations MARSOC guy, so like in, from the Marine side. Yeah, yeah. And we're just trying to That's awesome. bring community together. <laughs> I wish we had like five more segments, man. Yeah, no, no, no. We're gonna, really, really we got to bring him back and see how things are going. I think we're going to do a Magnum episode. I think so, too. Yeah. All right, folks. Gosh, hate to go now, but hey, subscribe to our, our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever your favorite flavor is and please support our great sponsors san diego county gun owners u.s law shield dylan law group prmi mortgage scott vincent coldwell banker royal realty sage web development national concealed carry and our partners having uh, the new partner with american shooters thanks to joe jermisi michael schwartz and brendan the wild man thomas folks this is gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.